Hey! So it's Book Squad Goals. That's who he is. And uh, we're down a member today because Mary is sick. So everyone pour one out for Mary. <laughs> yeah. We are cursed because our last book episode, Susan was sick. So who's going to be sick next time? I was with a remarkably similar illness. Yep. So. And then I wasn't here the one before that, right? Yeah. Jeez. So now I am the only person who's been on every episode. So I know Mary was really sad not to be here today because she was texting me the entire time she was reading this book, telling me how much she loved it, and she wanted us to convey that. So she's definitely not calling in sick because she didn't read the book, because she did, and she is really sad she's not here to talk about lesbians in Hollywood. But we're here to talk about it. Spoiler! (laughs) So let me tell you what we're reading today or what we're talking about today. It's The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. This was my pick. Hi, I'm Emily. So in uh, our traditional book squad goals fashion, because I chose this, I'm going to read the shitty synopsis from Goodreads for you guys. Yay! So here it goes. Evelyn Hugo is finally ready to tell the truth about her glamorous and scandalous life. But when she chooses unknown magazine reporter Monique Grant for the job, no one in the journalism community is more astounded than Monique herself. Why her? Why now? (laughs) Monique is not exactly on top of the world. Her husband David has left her, and her career has stagnated. Regardless of why Evelyn has chosen her to write her biography, Monique is determined to use this opportunity to jumpstart her career. Summoned to Evelyn's Upper East Side apartment, Monique listens as Evelyn unfurls her story, from making her way to Los Angeles in the 1950s to her decision to leave show business in the late 80s, and of course, the seven husbands along the way. As Evelyn's life unfolds through the decades, revealing a ruthless ambition, an unexpected friendship, and a great forbidden love, spoiler, lesbian love, (gasps) Monique begins to feel a very real connection to the actress. But as Evelyn's story catches up to the present, it becomes clear that her life intersects with Monique's own in tragic and irreversible ways. Um, so I wanted to ask you guys just up front, would you guys rate this and why? And if you could state your name for the record as we're going through this. For the record. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm Kelly. Hi, Kelly. For the record. <laughs> and I gave this book a three-star rating, which is basically what I usually do when <laughs> when something is fine. Um, it, it's not that it was just fine. Like, it was I, – I liked it. There are things about it that I really loved, but there are also things about it that I was frustrated by, um, particularly the framing device, which uh, we'll get into. But I just sort of felt like it was a little useless, and it never quite came together for me. And I felt like the sort of twist that occurs near the end is a little bit cheap, Um, (laughs) and I just, like, didn't really... Mm -hmm. respond to it in the way that I think I was supposed to. Um, So overall, I think this is like a really fun book to read and it's very enjoyable. Um, And I tore through it in like a couple days. I read it so fast. But when it was all said and done, I was like, was that? I don't know. I don't know if I felt like it was something that I'm really going to like think about much more ever again. Right. And we can talk a little bit more about why that might 
or might not be later. Yes. But yeah. Okay, cool. Susan? Hi, I'm Susan, and um, I was kind of torn between three and four, because I actually, I really had fun reading it, well, listening to it, actually, um, and I wish Mary was here, because I feel like normally she listens to, like, half a book audio, and then can <laughs> tell me, like, which narrator she hates the most, and this had three different women narrating it and mary always hates at least one of them and it's usually the british yeah and none of these were british which is why i really wanted to get her like hot take on which one she hated but was one um, of them cuban though because um it should have been yeah i think so her last name was like cuervo or something so okay i might have am i just talking about tequila or is that her real name i'll have to look at that later (laughs) oh my god you were just drinking tequila while you were reading this And that's Mexican, oh, not Cuban. Uh, okay, the point was one of them, like, when when um, Evelyn would speak Spanish, that person was the one narrating, and, like, it sounded like natural Spanish, so she may have some. Anyway, <clears throat> and it was really fun to listen to, because it, it, like, it sounds like a little audio movie. I think it was a good audio book mm. choice for me. Um, yeah, I really, like, I had fun, but I kind of agree about the framing, which at first I really did like. It was just in in the end, by the time it all tied together, it wasn't, it didn't, I guess, pay off the way that I was hoping it would. But in the beginning, I really liked Monique, and I was really interested to see what the thing was that tied them together. And I didn't expect the thing that it was even though it maybe was kind of cheap and someone probably did see that coming, but I didn't. (laughs) I didn't see it coming. I was just like, oh, (laughs) like when it happened, you know? Oh, so uh, I guess I'll go with three. I almost gave it a four though because I just like genuinely had fun. So I gave this, this is Emily again. I gave this a four and really my main reasoning for this is um, I was thinking about this and I was thinking about the books that I've given threes that we've talked about. And I was like, well, I've definitely, I definitely enjoyed it more than I enjoyed my other three books. So I guess that makes, what I need is a lot more stars. Yeah, we need, it needs to be out of 10. Yeah, I agree (laughs) with you there. And we need half stars. Yes, if we had half stars, that would solve it. Yes, it needs to be out of 10. And I need to, because I would probably give this like, Oh, like a 7.5 out of 10 or something like that if I had 10 yeah. and could do half stars. But, I mean, this is just fantasy now we're talking about. This is crazy. Yeah, come back to Earth, Emily. We don't get all that. Our fantasies are kind of lame. Yeah. It's just about having more stars. <laughs> it's about having a better rating system on Goodreads. <laughs> Ooh, that's hot. Yes. But I, I gave this four just because it seemed like three wasn't enough and four seemed like a lot. But at the end of the day, I was like, well, I really enjoyed reading it. And I went, I read through it really fast. And I will say, like, I was, there were a lot of things where I'm like, I'm just dying to know how this turns out. However, I will say, like, after I finished it, um, and I have questions about this that we can kind of break down a little bit more as we talk about it. But after I finished it, I was kind of left thinking, like, so what is this really saying? <laughs> and... Um, I'll link to this uh, Taylor Jenkins Reid interview in the show notes, but, like, even Taylor Jenkins Reid says herself, like, oh, this book is just the kind of book that, like, book clubs are supposed to read, you know? (laughs) And she's not saying that in a, like, 
derogatory way, but it's kind of like, if you think about it that way, it's like, okay, yeah, you read it and you talk about it and then you probably just don't think about it anymore. Yeah, she describes it as like commercially accessible fiction. Yeah, which is like, as a writer, (laughs) not how I would want to describe. I appreciate her honesty. (laughs) I appreciate her honesty, but I guess at the end of the day, like, Maybe I want too much from my books, but I want a book that's, like, fun to read, and I also feel like at the end of it, I I feel fulfilled in some way from yeah. reading it. And maybe that's just crazy, <laughs> but no. that's what I want. No, don't you know? settle. That's crazy talk. I, um, the reason I went back on my four, which I actually gave it a four originally, like, on Goodreads, I officially gave it a four, but I started thinking about um, – all the ugly and wonderful things, which I also gave a four to, and I think that was a much better book. Yeah. So I had much to just better like, for. comparison go back. But I think that is yeah. what you're talking about. Like that was fun to read, but also like I still think about that book sometimes and I'm like, Man. Yeah. yeah. I guess I come away from this feeling similar similar to the way that I did about Book of Speculation, where it's like almost there for me. But Yeah. I liked this a lot better than Book of Speculation. Yeah. Oh, and you guys have never heard what I thought about that book, by the way. Oh, yeah. Oh, we can talk yeah. about that at the end of the episode. <laughs> we'll get that to that at the end. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, I kind of – it's kind of sad hearing that she didn't, like, aspire for it to be more because I think, like, um, content-wise, it could have been mm-hmm. um, considering some of the topics that she's covering. But I do want to start by talking about the frame story because I also had a lot of problems with the frame story. Let me grab my book because there are a couple of – passages I want to read. Um, but Kelly, while I do that, maybe you could talk a little bit about we, we keep alluding to this twist that happens. Yes. Um, so maybe we should spell it like what that is for people who haven't read it. All right. So as Emily outlined in the summary, uh, Monique is chosen by Evelyn Hugo to have her tell all story be, you know, revealed. Um, and she doesn't know why. And it turns out that there's a very specific reason why, of course. Um, And the reason is that we find out early in the book that Monique's father um, died when she was a child. um, And her father is black. And um, so we find out towards the end of the book that Evelyn, one of the husbands that she had, was named Harry. And he was this, like big-time Hollywood producer who they were best friends, but it turned out that he was gay the entire time. And so the two of them married and had a child together and were together for a long time, basically just as partners. But everyone thought that they were, you know, like, romantic partners. But really, they were just together. But anyway, Harry eventually fell in love with um, another man. He had several relationships. But the last man that he fell in love with um, he and this man were driving somewhere, and I'm pretty sure Harry was drunk during Definitely. this, um, and he crashed the car, and Evelyn, on her way to their house, or to Harry's house, um, pulls over and sees this accident, and she's in a cab, and she sees the accident because they were almost home, and she gets out of the car, and she sees that Harry is in the driver's seat, and the, the person in the passenger seat is a young black man, and she realizes that the man that Harry had been seeing, who she hadn't met yet, was, you know, not only a man, but also a black man. And this is, like, the 80s. Um, 
Was it the 80s or was it the 70s? It was the 80s, I think. It was the 80s, by then. Okay. So yeah. it was the 80s, and she was like, okay, first of all, I can't, like, I need to get Harry to the hospital, and I need to make sure that he is not associated with this accident. Like, A, because uh, he, like, if he does die, you know, I don't want the last thing everyone knows about him to be that he, you know, was driving drunk and potentially killed another person and B, you know it's going to be a whole huge scandal that he's with a black man also not that she believes that that's correct but the whole book is kind of about this like you know preserving your image and exactly so she leaves this man in the car and takes gets harry to the hospital and just abandons him basically to die even though he was probably going to die anyway harry dies um but she finds in his pocket a note uh that is to his daughter and his wife this this man and it turns out that this is Monique's dad um dun, dun, and s- dun. yeah and so she Ooh, at yeah. the end of the book well towards the end of the book reveals to Monique that she found her because she has this note for her and she gives it to her um so yeah that's what happens <laughs> Yeah, so you can decide for yourself whether that's cheap or not, but I don't know. It just seemed it, – it felt kind of – like, not that I was expecting it, but then after I read it, I was like, oh. Yeah. But I'm not sure why. <laughs> it just seemed unnecessary, and it also seemed like if there was a purpose for this, it seems like it would be that – it. It's something important that Monique has to reckon with, but she really doesn't spend a lot of time on that. It's maybe a couple pages of her being like, oh, like, what do I do? I My father was gay this entire time, and I never knew, and I have so many questions, and I feel angry and sad, and this all takes place during, like, three pages, and then it's, like, back to writing the book. It's like, <laughs> you know, it <laughs> yeah. just felt, like, very rushed, and I think that's part of what I felt was – an issue with a lot of the framing device was that I never really felt like I could see fully into Monique's world or feel like I was really, like, invested in her because I was just waiting to get back to Evelyn's story. Yes. Mm-hmm. And every time we were in the room with Evelyn and uh, Monique, I was just like – and they would sort of pause between the chapters because the, the chapters are written, like, as though – they are from the book that Monique is writing. So there's, like, a chapter from this book about Evelyn. So it's, like, third person about Evelyn. And then it'll go to, like, no, a it's, present it's tense. it's first person. Oh, it's first person. Sorry. It's first person. Yeah, it's first person past tense. And then the... Yeah, which... That's also an interesting choice for an autobiography or, like, you know, an expose or whatever you want to call this book that she's writing. Because, like, if you're writing about someone else, you're probably not going to write in first person. If it's a real person... Mm-hmm. Unless you're like a ghostwriter yeah. for their memoir, which isn't what she's doing. Exactly. Mm. Listening to it, I didn't think it was like meant to be chapters like straight from the book necessarily, but since I couldn't see it. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's just what I assumed because <laughs> it was like. I thought it was like her telling Monique that stuff. Yeah, but it wasn't like in quote. But it would be too like perfectly narrated, I guess, if it was just her like talking. Exactly. Yeah. So it was it wasn't like conversational enough to just be her 
talking, but it also didn't yeah. sound like it would come directly from a biography. So it's sort of like in this really in between space. Yeah, which that didn't bother me. Either way, those were the good as parts. much. Yeah, those were the best parts. Yeah, yeah. That I think the narrative style in the frame story was much more distracting for me than the narrative style in the. Um, Evelyn Hugo's story because and this is something sorry I talked to Kelly about before (laughs) (laughs) but I'm I'm here to share it with you now and I've picked out some passages that kind of illustrate my problem with the narrative it's time for Emily's workshop corner (laughs) we need a song for that as well yes so turn to page 224 in your textbook that's (laughs) Your textbook is The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, a novel by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Um, at the very end of this chapter, Monique gets kind of like reflecting on how the day went and she's feeling very satisfied. She's getting what she wants from Evelyn and from the magazine she works at. She just had a really good conversation with her mom. Um, so she's ending this chapter on a high note. But then she says, and again, remember, this is first person present tense, so... She says, I have no idea that in less than a week, Evelyn Hugo will finish her story and I'll find out what this has all been about and I will hate her so much that I'll be truly afraid I might kill her. And that's how the chapter ends. Um, And to me, it's just extremely awkward, first of all, because um, this is ha- <laughs> this is like present tense narration and she's talking about what's going to happen in the future, the future. <laughs> which like <laughs> kind of breaks with logic for me because like, I know like, yeah, it's a conceit and she probably is telling this from some sort of point in the future looking back, but it's still in present tense. And it just sounds really weird to be talking about something as if, as if it's happening right now and then allude to something that's happening in the future. It takes you out of that conceit. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it it really bothered me. And not only that, but it just sounds awkward in a present tense to say, I don't know at this point what will happen in the future. It's just awkward because people don't say stuff like that, right? Yeah. <laughs> um. So that, like, it really bothered me. And I had to, like, <laughs> I took a picture of it and, like, texted it to Kelly, like, what the <laughs> hell is this? <laughs> um. <laughs> I I just think that, like, it's really trendy right now to write um, first-person present tense, um, especially suspense novels do it all the time. And sometimes it really works. Um, it definitely has a certain effect on the writing. It makes you feel, like, very much in the moment. Um, but it's not easy to do well. Um, mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel natural if it's not done extremely carefully. <laughs> um, just, like, the natural way of telling stories is in the past tense. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're going to do it in the present tense, it's got to, it's got to feel like it's exactly right for that story. And in this moment, I was like, it's, this isn't right for the story. Yeah. Because clearly it, she's talking about something that's happened in the past. Yeah. There's really no reason for, I was just going to agree and say there's no reason for it at all. Yeah. You don't even like, there's no need to establish like, a sense of in the moment urgency right. when like half of what's going on is there's hurt. not one at all. No. <laughs> this is all about some, this is the main story is all about stuff that happened a long time ago. Right. <laughs> and then her story is coming from a place where she's on the other side of it already. So yeah. 
There's the only urgency is that she wants to find out why she's been chosen for this. And we want to find out, like, what is this big thing that's going to be revealed? But you don't need to be in present tense to, like, have that be a question. That's interesting, though, because, like, I didn't feel any sense of urgency to get to that reveal. Yeah, me I knew there was going to be one, but I was actually just more interested in hearing, like... Evelyn's story. Just the story of Evelyn. Yeah. Like, yeah. when I eventually got there, I was like, oh, okay. It's like an hour from the end, maybe, in the audiobook. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, like... It's not I, the main driving force of the story. It's just sort of like a, oh, yeah, I was kind of curious mm-hmm. about that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But that's kind of how I think, you know, we're saying that's how we felt about the frame story in general. It's like there wasn't anything in it that was like a driving force of like, oh, my God, I have to know what's going to happen to Monique. Yeah. You know? Mm. Like, I want to know about Evelyn. <laughs> it's too much. And I don't think Monique is strong enough of a character to carry, like, to make those parts interesting enough, you know? Yeah. No, and let's talk about Monique as a character. I have another selection I would like to read from page 285 in your textbook. Disclaimer, I liked her for the first... I'll say three hours. (laughs) Three hours. Three hours. (laughs) Three out of how many hours? time jumps for me. And then she got like 12. (laughs) And then I was like, okay, gets back to Evelyn. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to read this and then maybe you guys, I'll ask the class what you think (laughs) is wrong with this. (laughs) (laughs) Is this on a craft level or her as a person? (laughs) Uh, both. Both. Okay. Um, but it's not, I will tell you, this, this, my qualm with this is not related to the narrative style. It's more just related to, like, the way that we're, like, getting inside of Monique's head feels a little, like, shallow. So, this is when she's being confronted with her ex-husband in her house, or her, like, <gasps> separated. I don't know. Whatever. They're I not going to say earlier, this is the part I care about the least. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, when I met him, as we fell in love, I remember thinking that the fact that he was white made things easier because I knew he would never tell me I wasn't black enough. I think of Evelyn the first time she heard her maid speak Spanish. I remember thinking that the fact that he wasn't that well-read meant he would never think I was a bad writer. I think of Celia telling Evelyn she wasn't a good actress. I remember thinking that the fact that I was clearly the more attractive one made me feel better because I thought that meant he'd never leave. I think of how Dawn treated Evelyn despite her being arguably the most beautiful woman in the world. Evelyn rose to those challenges. But looking at David right now, I can see that I have hidden from them, perhaps my entire life. It's <laughs> it's very on the nose. Yeah, uh, that's the, that's the exact phrasing I was thinking. Is like <laughs> we get it. You're you're getting something from Evelyn's story that like connects to your own story. Yeah, it's literally like piece of you, my story. How did you get it Evelyn. without all three examples? Piece of me, though. piece of Evelyn, piece yes. of me, piece of Evelyn. I think. That I'm seeing myself in Evelyn. <laughs> I'm so glad that that was spelled out for me because I wasn't sure that's what was happening. But now I know. Yeah. Well, if you didn't get it with the first example, then you get another one. Right. And if you didn't get it that time, then you get the third one. That's the rule of three, right? And then if you're an idiot, <laughs> you're like, oh, okay. Well, you get – it's like the five-paragraph essay, right? Yes. So, like, List the your thesis <laughs> – yeah. Thesis, oh, three so reasons. The thesis conclusion. is I see myself in Evelyn's 
I see my life and Evelyn's life. Evidence one. Yeah, this is... Evidence two, evidence three, conclusion, Evelyn did stuff with her life. Maybe I need to do stuff with my life. Literally, I had to spend so much time unlearning that format for writing, and I still find myself yes. doing it. <laughs> well, your teachers Try unteaching it, it to a room full of people who don't yeah. care. Trust me. It sucks. <laughs> um, unteaching it is harder than... Clearly, Taylor Jenkins really yeah. <laughs> didn't have an English teacher who untaught her that. So no, she is still using it. But I was going to say the thing that the reason that that was my least favorite storyline, her and uh, David, is that the only reason it seems like it exists is so she can have those little moments of realization that. Yeah. Oh, I see myself like otherwise. Did that need to even be a part of her life at all? It's no completely a plot device. Yes, completely. <laughs> and her entire story felt like a plot device. Yeah, exactly. Well, and all of it was like everything she learned from Evelyn that was applied to David were kind of like these platitudes of – it's like I thought back and remembered that she said, oh, divorce is a piece of paper. Heartbreak is the loss. And she's like, oh, look, I'm not heartbroken because mm-hmm. yeah. I thought back to the Evelyn thing. And I went, like David could have not existed in this book at all. It would not have changed anything. And we right. could have gotten some more interesting stuff about Evelyn. <laughs> Bye, David. Men are canceled. Get out of here. Yes. Get out of my plot. Get out of my plot. Men are canceled. Men are canceled. That's the name of this episode. David is canceled. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Women, on the other hand. Let's go. Are renewed for another season. <laughs> Women are renewed. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, speaking of women being renewed, should we talk a little bit about um, how homosexuality is treated in the book. We touched on it a little bit. Renewed or nude? Get it? Women are nude. Men are canceled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Women are nude. We're so funny. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm getting um, hot. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so yeah, let's talk about this. So um, we find out pretty quickly. I felt like it was pretty obvious right away that Evelyn was going to have a female lover as her main love interest because we're sort of introduced to her as the Hollywood starlet who is like the sexy one. And she had seven husbands. And like when Monique goes to her, she's I think like at the end of the one of the first chapters where... Monique is, like, deciding what she's going to talk to Evelyn about. She's like, the real question was, if none of those men were the love of Evelyn's life, then who was the love of Evelyn Hugo's life? <laughs> um, and I was like, oh, it's probably a girl. Look, and then- I, did not, I did not know. <laughs> so there's that. But go ahead. What? How did you feel, Susan? Uh now that you said that, I'm like, how did I not know that? It's just that? a lot for the ride. I didn't really know until there was that moment that... Um, With the shirt and the wine. Like when they were drinking mm. wine together. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, well, this is like a really sexy day with your friends. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> They're, like, about to fuck, but <laughs> homoerotic is, is the word. But it could just um, be sexy, does it? I mean, like, it's sexy like, even if they're... But it, there was, like, it was a little... Oh, there's yeah. more tension yeah, yeah, yeah. than just, like, a kind of flirty thing. Like, it was definitely, like, mm-hmm. something was about to happen. And it didn't happen that day, but... Yeah, I... Nonetheless, like, that's when I was like, oh, she's... She, like, has feelings for her. And I could tell that Celia did. I did. I, guess, I did not. Yeah, no. But okay. 
I, I guess, like... Well, I think, and I think I said this to you too, Emily, in our secret chat where we talk about things without Susan and Mary. Um, <laughs> See, and Mary's not even here for us to, like, pretend that we have a secret chat. <laughs> Look, I know y'all have a secret chat without me, so don't even... I think we all have Go secret ahead. chats with each other. It's just called regular text messages. But... <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so... Anyway, I I feel like maybe the reason why I saw it coming was because, like, this book was getting a lot of attention, and which is why we chose it, or why Emily chose it, because a lot of people seemed to really respond to it. We're talking about how it. great it was. Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, when it started talking about how she had this rivalry with, with an actress, like, towards the beginning when it was just, like, explaining who she was, um, I sort of thought, like okay, well, if this is a book that is, like, getting a lot of attention, this, I doubt that there's going to be, like, a huge female rivalry that's going to be, like, a negative relationship between women. Because I don't think people would be that into this book if that were the case. And I was like, if this is going to be an important relationship in her life, it's probably actually a positive relationship. Yeah. And I think that's, like, kind of how I... You're like a little detective. (laughs) But also, immediately, once the sexy wine thing happened, it was like, all right, this is happening. And they cut to the chase pretty quickly. It's not like you waited half the book to find out she was a lesbian. It was, like, pretty fast. Yeah. So, it's not really – that's not really a spoiler, I don't even think. Well, but she's not a lesbian. Yeah, that's true. And she's, like, really adamant about that. Which makes sense. Yeah. She's bisexual. She's bisexual. Celia is a lesbian. Yeah. No, which I think is a good – that's one thing I did appreciate because I think that um, – I mean, I'm a, I'm a heterosexual woman. It's like when we apologize for being white, we should also – Yeah. Like, sorry. So I can't speak from experience, but knowing other bisexual people, I've, I've seen stuff that they say on social media like about um, – that people do kind of fit them into one box or the other, mm-hmm. um, like – Evelyn was saying, don't ignore half of me so that you can label me a thing. Yeah. And that maybe there's not as much visibility for bisexuality. So I appreciate it that that was there. I think there's definitely like an issue of, of bisexual erasure in like media and everything. And I myself have been guilty of it in the past of thinking like, especially with men, when, when men identify as bisexual, I'm like, okay, but aren't like, are you really, like, if I slept with you, are you really into it? Or would you prefer that I was a man? And I think, like, that's a question that Celia is struggling with a lot throughout their relationship. Because every time anything happens with a man, she is very upset. Because yeah. she starts to question the entirety of her relationship with Evelyn. And I think that, I don't know why it is that we are sort of taught to understand that it can only be one way or the other and that people can't that like this a spectrum isn't a thing because it totally is and like i guess it's just has to do with like some weird insecurity that humans have related to gender evelyn addresses the like just the idea of a spectrum too at one point when she's like when she knows that harry is gay and she's trying to tell him about her feelings for Celia. Mm-hmm. And she's like, we all have some of this secret in us. Yeah. And he's like, I don't know if you're like me. And she's like, no, I think we all are in some <laughs> capacity. Like, <laughs> That's a really roundabout way of talking about like sexuality being on the spectrum. But 
Yeah. yeah. She's trying. It's the 50s. <laughs> and I think it's interesting, too, because, you know, we live in a very binary world where you're either this or that about a lot of things, right? And I think oh, yeah. we see this with race in the book as well. So maybe we can talk about that a little bit, too. But, you know, Monique is biracial. She's half black, half white. And I mean, this kind of came up in the part that I read just a minute ago, but an issue for her throughout the text in her section of the book is that she feels she has difficulty identifying as black or white. And people kind of want to like put her in one category or the other saying like, oh, you're too white or you're too black. Um, And Evelyn kind of deals with this sort of ambiguous race in her own way because she's Cuban, but she like makes an effort to present herself as white because Hollywood doesn't offer roles to, or doesn't offer the kind of roles that she wanted to uh, people who aren't white. Um, So it's sort of looking at binaries throughout our culture, not only with sexuality, but also with race, right? Where it's like, we just, especially um, with Hollywood sort of being the center of culture and how, we understand the way the world works. (laughs) Um, Hollywood wants to put people in boxes and define people. And that makes it, it makes us understand the world better if we can say like, it's this or that. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think it's kind of looking at how we're forced to do that in order to, I don't know, not only fit into Hollywood, but just like fit into quote unquote society. Yes. Totes. Totes. (laughs) <laughs> Do you, I know I kind of brought up the topic of race. Is there anything else you guys want to um, touch on as far as like how race is dealt with in the book? I feel like you just like said um, all the good, hmm. the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you you pretty much summed it up. I said everything. Bam. Yeah, Fucking like nailed it. God damn it. Well, as a white woman, as a white <laughs> I think I need. To- <laughs> Yeah, we're a bunch of white straight girls, but, <laughs> but let you me know, tell you. here's my opinion. But I mean, like, <laughs> you know, maybe not. Maybe that's just how we're defining ourselves based on this false binary system. And we're not entirely white or entirely straight. But like, we're, we don't even know how to view ourselves in some sort of like middle ground because that's just not how we're taught to look at people in the world. Because I haven't done so. my Ancestry.com DNA test yet. So exactly. <laughs> who knows, y'all? Who knows? Yeah. Okay. Um, so I wanted, I mentioned part of this quote earlier when I was talking about how like, um, Taylor Jenkins read thinks of herself as like a writer of book club books, but I did kind of like want to look more specifically at what she's saying about women's fiction. And I've read a lot. So I'm wondering if someone else would be willing to read this giant quote. I will read it. We can talk about it. Cool. Um, so this is (laughs) what she has to say about women's fiction. So, anytime I meet someone and they ask me what I do, I say I'm an author. And they say, oh, what kind of books do you write? I say, I write fiction. And they say, well, what does that mean? What I choose to answer is, I write book club books. I write books that you would read in a book club. What I mean by that is that I write commercial fiction that is hopefully accessible to anybody that wants to read it, but they can be thought-provoking and give you something to talk about. But that's a very long answer to a small question, and the short answer is, I write women's fiction, and the reason why it's called women's fiction is because we want to make sure, in no uncertain terms, men know, don't read this, which is just absurd. 
We have a society in which women have learned to read about men and to find interesting things about the inner lives of men, and we have not done that same service for men. We have told men that women in their lives are not interesting to them, that the stakes of domestic fiction is not relevant to them. All of these things are completely untrue. Books about love and family are just as important and can be just as skillfully and beautifully written as books about war. I don't know why so often we put such a larger value on the story areas that men are interested in than what women are interested in. I also just don't buy the conceit. I think we just haven't allowed for men to admit when they're interested in these things, to open themselves up to be interested in these things. We've said time and time again to men, what goes on in a woman's mind is not relevant to you. And that's just crazy. What goes on in every man's mind is relevant to me. We exist in the world together. I'm married to a man. The world is full of men. We should be doing that same thing for men. I think we're fixing it slowly. Big Little Lies was such a great example of a story exclusively about women and about issues that directly affect women that men watched. They cared. We're at the beginning of it. That's the quote. Yeah. Um, so I know that as a writer of fiction myself, this is something that I've really struggled with as far as like trying to get my work published is, you know, I think and maybe I feel like she's simplifying it a little bit more even than, I don't know, the problem's a lot bigger than this because it's not just about when women are writing about domestic issues. It's about mm-hmm. when women write about women at all or even if you're just like a female author writing about yeah. anything. Yes, yeah, it's just writing as a woman. <laughs> There's, yeah. like, people like Jonathan Franzen, who is making his entire massive career on writing about domestic situations. Right. But he's a man writing about it, and he's often writing in men's perspectives. And for some reason, that garners praise and attention. I feel like she's saying two different things. Like, first she's yeah. acknowledging that the, the issue that we're talking about. But mm-hmm. there's also – it sounds like she's also kind of, like, putting the – like responsibility on women to tell men it's okay to like this. Yeah. Yeah. Like we need to do that for men. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that what, and I don't know. That sounds a little. Yeah. I think this doesn't ring like totally true to me. I think this is sort of in the same camp as, as, as saying that this isn't like, you know, talking about this during the time of the entire situation that's going on in Hollywood, like, so much of the conversation has been around, like, well, men aren't taught this, and men don't know this, and mm-hmm. so we can't expect men to read our minds. We can't expect men, like, we have to help them understand. And it's like, at what point, like, do men become responsible for themselves? Right. So, <laughs> like, apparently never, still That not. is the question of the year. Right. Like, yeah, so, why, why do men have to be taught – to care about women. Why can't they just like, even if they grew up in a culture that didn't uh, prioritize women, why can't now as adults, <laughs> men look at the world around them and think like, Oh fuck women are people. Right. <laughs> like, why is that something that men need to be taught? I don't understand. Like that's kind of, it, it's kind of the whole like boys will be boys mentality mm-hmm. almost where it's like, well, he, if the, they're a man, they can't help it. Like this is what they were brought up to think. And I know like she's saying that it's wrong, but she's yeah. still, I think you're right. Like not putting. Yeah. I think she has the right idea. She's just like sort of, I don't know. I like what she's saying, but I, I think it goes both ways. Cause I do think yeah. that, that there is something to be said about 
you know, in education, like from from a point of early education, like teaching books that are about girls and not just books that are about boys. We we yeah. grow up reading mm-hmm. like Tom Sawyer and like shit like that. And there, there are very few books that you read in like a, a lower grade setting that you that are about girls, you know, um, right. and that boys are encouraged to be interested in. Or whatever. But at, at the same time, like you're saying, you know, if you're an adult man, like, you can make a choice to read a book about a woman. And if you feel insecure about that decision, then I don't know what to tell you. I mean, <laughs> I have heard men, multiple, like, multiple different men say stuff about books, like, written from a female's perspective, whether the author is a man or a woman, but just... Mm-hmm. In a way we'll, where it'll be like, well, I just, you know, can't really relate to, like, a woman's perspective. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'll... Well, you better learn. Yeah. Yeah, because... We do that shit all day, every day. <laughs> yeah, and what I do like about what, what Taylor Jenkins Reid is saying is that, like, we are taught to empathize with men. Yeah. And we have been. Mm-hmm. And that's not fair. That that's an expectation of us, but not of of the other way around. So... I think that she definitely has a point. I think that, like, you know, she just well, said I it a little. Maybe it, just to take <laughs> this a step further, since the theme of this episode is men are canceled. Sorry, mm-hmm. guys. Um, I think maybe just in general, men aren't taught to empathize. Period. Because mm-hmm. I mean, if if we look at the type of if we look at the demographics as far as like who's buying fiction, it's it's not men. It's mostly women who are reading novels right mm-hmm. now. Like, we are the major, like, demographic for, like, novels. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. women our age. Um, yeah. And I, I think that has to do with empathy. Because when you're reading another person's story, you're empathizing with someone who's going through things that you aren't going through. Yep. And if you aren't – if you weren't socialized to see that as important – you're less likely to reach out for those experiences. Yeah. But again, like that's on you as an adult to like realize that's important. Like people shouldn't have to teach you that, but I don't know. Yeah. And you shouldn't have to have a daughter or a sister or a mom to be like, right. Oh, a woman is a person because she's in some way related to me. Related to a man. <laughs> yeah. Like, y'all, so, it's so yeah. fucked up. It's so fucked up. Oh. Uh, yeah. Um, should we talk about Hollywood? Let's talk about Speaking Hollywood. Speaking of shitty men. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Speaking of shitty men. Yeah. So, and I know, like, for me, the, one of the big draws of this book was the fact that, like, uh, it was kind of advertised as, like, a really fun Hollywood gossip book. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I may note that in the interview, Taylor Jenkins Reid said that the story of Evelyn was kind of based on this cross between Ava Gardner and Rita Hayworth and Elizabeth Taylor and, like, a lot of the gossip that was going around about those actresses. Um, and after reading it, I just took a step back and I was thinking, like, did this book really, like, change how I feel about Hollywood in any way? Did it, it explore the idea of celebrity in any new and interesting ways? Or is this simply just, like, reinforcing what we already thought about celebrity culture? And if that's what it's doing, like, what I guess, like, what's the point? I think it's just reinforcing what we already think of as celebrity culture. Right. That's kind of how I felt, too. Maybe that question was sort of, like, 
I guess based on the way I phrased that question, it's kind of obvious. That's what I thought. <laughs> I mean, I I do feel that way ultimately, but I did appreciate because, like, if you take a moment and think about celebrity for a couple seconds, you come to this conclusion. But I find that, like, in my day to day life, I am very like enamored with celebrities, and I'm very interested in like them as they present themselves to the world. And I don't find myself thinking about these celebrities in their private time very much at all. And or thinking Mm -hmm. about them as people outside of like this persona that they have. And so it's it's nice to like take a minute and just like remember that these are real people. And despite what you think you may know about them, like they may have these entirely secret lives. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I do like the idea of two people who are celebrities having a secret life yeah. together. One thing, also, I, I guess I appreciated about Evelyn is like, I guess when I think of celebrity culture and the sort of like manipulation of the public image and the strategic moves that make someone's career, I think of like publicists and producers doing that. I really liked that Evelyn was the one mm-hmm. like deciding. Mm-hmm. And coming up with these plans, like, oh, I'm about to fix this, and was doing that herself. Like, it was all her own ambition, which I thought was – that was something, I guess, that was a little different than what I normally would imagine. And I do think it uh, also interestingly handles the themes of, like, how much are you willing to fight for something you believe in versus if you need to save your career or – you know, continue being successful and, like, is it – are you going to make that much of a difference or are you just going to get cast aside? Right. So, like, making big decisions like that, I think, is really interesting and something that, like, celebrities are still dealing with, like, constantly. Like, how much do I say? How much do I put myself Mm -hmm. out there? And how much do I risk for things that I believe in? Right. I was just watching an interview with Ricky Martin last week on The Daily Show, I guess he was on. Oh my god, Ricky. <laughs> oh, I forgot about him. Yeah. Well I he's like on him. he's on the assassination of Gianni Versace, which I just started watching today mm-hmm. and I it's so good. I mean, there's only one episode out right now, but guys, I'm really digging it. I'm very excited. Um but he was promoting that show and he, yeah, he was talking about for him like coming out even like in the nineties was like such a big mm-hmm. deal because, you know, he's seen as this like sex symbol and this heartthrob and like that image, you know, would be totally ruined by like admitting that he was gay and would like, you know, like these people are still not able to be out in Hollywood without some sort of stigma attached to it or like affecting their career in a negative way. Yeah. That yeah. just makes me think of Lance Bass. <laughs> And, yeah. like, his whole, like, going to the prom with Daniel Fischel, <laughs> like, which is clearly, like, a just go to the prom with a girl. Like, yeah, yeah. A, preferably a famous girl. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, any other thoughts about the book? Uh, oh, are we not going to talk about Lance Bass now? <laughs> kidding. That's all I know about Any him. other thoughts about Lance Bass? <laughs> <laughs> any other what thoughts about Ricky Martin? <laughs> Clay Aiken too. We can also I can get into that shit, but I won't. Um dun, 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 I don't know. Thoughts about the book. Overall, I just like I had a good time and that's all I needed from it. 
Yeah. I got what I wanted. Yeah. And I bet you the reason that Mary loved it is because she is always asking for more trash and yeah, gossip in a book. Yeah, it's true. And this, this book, is like, oh, yeah. hey, we got it for you. Reading this book <laughs> is we like did say, watching reality We TV. did say that we wanted more yeah. lesbian sex in this book. Yeah. It, yeah. Well, I, I thought if, their sex, they, I mean, they were like light sex scenes. Yeah. They weren't like. It was softcore. It was not hardcore. Yeah, it was so very softcore. That's why I wanted more. If you're coming to this book for hardcore <laughs> lesbian sex, that's not what you're going to be getting. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you yeah. know, I crave that. You'll get after some light fingering implied. All of the graphic <laughs> heterosexual and man-on-man sex that I have read, where is the graphic lesbian sex? I'm sure there's a lot of it. Yeah. I just haven't come across it in what I'm reading. It is not in this book. It's not as and common. Just in general, <laughs> one last one last comment about lesbianism in pop culture i don't feel like i I still feel like that's a touchier subject (laughs) touchier um like light fingering like gay men i feel like we're we're seeing a lot more gay male stories yeah in pop Mm -hmm. culture than lesbian stories in pop culture so where's our lesbian fiction we want more yep buffy that's all yeah buffy the vampire slayer i did enjoy those their moments together though um, yes. You could take more. More, please. Yeah. Cool. Women are renewed. More, please. Yay. Women are renewed. Men are canceled. <laughs> Lesbians forever. <laughs> Lesbians forever. And also bisexual women. And all yeah. versions of spectrum E things. All the women. Yeah. All women. Okay, as everyone knows, if they've been listening, um, we've been doing a bookstore of the month or a featured bookstore. It hasn't quite been of the month because we kind of got slightly shifted off track. So it's a month long. I think we're back on track now. Yeah, ish. Yeah, a month long feature of a bookstore, <laughs> um, and we're we've all been picking different sort of local bookstores. Um, so this month I is my turn and I picked Greenlight Bookstore which is um in Brooklyn there's two locations but um there's one that's really close to me that I love to go to so that's why I picked it um it's a really great bookstore it's like kind of like in a lot of ways your sort of typical indie bookstore that you know is cute as hell and has like a really great selection of books and has the tables with stacks of shit that is amazing. But they also um, have some really cool things that I haven't seen as often in other bookstores. One of which, and I wrote a blog post about this, which um, we can link to in the notes. Um, And I just talked at length about sort of the history of the store, which is also founded and co-owned by two women, which is pretty cool. Um, But also the, they have a huge emphasis on, like, independent publishers. So they have this whole setup at the back of the store with, like, a table of really, like, beautiful books from independent publishers. Um, and I feel like usually when I go to a bookstore, the independent presses are kind of, like, shoved in a corner and not really highlighted. And here they, like, really emphasize um, independent presses, which I think is super cool. So um, that's one of the many things that I love about Greenlight. And they also have a ton of like book club groups, like different discussion groups, and they have really great events um, that they do like in collaboration with um, other organizations, 
coming up, they have an event um, with Dave Eggers. They have a book launch with Juno Diaz for his children's book. Um, <gasps> yes. Uh, they work a lot with I love Juno the Diaz. Brooklyn Public Library. Um, and yeah, they're just like really, really great. So if you are in New York, if you're in Brooklyn, please check them out. And also we are linking to them for all of our book picks um, currently. So if you go on our website and click on any of the books that we have coming up, it will link to um, their website and you can buy books from them online, which is also very cool. And they have a subscription service um, where they'll send you a new book every month and it's really cool, great new stuff. So that is my little green light book spotlight. Awesome. I am definitely checking them out next time I'm in town and I'm checking out that subscription service because I'm addicted to book subscription services. <laughs> yes. If you didn't know that. Hell yeah. So addicted. Like because I obviously don't have enough books to read. <laughs> Already. I need more. So, Susan, before we get into listener feedback, should we get into Susan feedback? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Susan feedback about sure. Book of Speculation. <laughs> so, tell us how you felt about Book of Speculation since you didn't get to talk with us about it last time. Um, I give the episode five stars. Thanks. I give the book two stars. Oh. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, this was one of those, like, I was torn between the two and the three, but... Um, I, at first of all, I didn't know all of you loved the circus so much. Like, I have no interest in it at all. <laughs> so, um, imagine my surprise. But uh, I just. Look, I didn't say I like the circus. I thought I like elephants. Okay. But Kelly likes the circus. But yeah. It was mostly Mary Kay and Mary being You like Mary the circus, circus too. I was like mild circus. I, I like the circus. Okay. Anyhow. Anyway, I. It's a spectrum. <laughs> Because of that, and because, like, one of those two narratives was better written than the other, like, I was more interested in the present-day stuff, and I, and the, like, You're on Team Kelly! First aspect, I didn't... Yes! Uh, yeah, I'm Team Kelly. <laughs> Finally, I have someone um, on my side. And I was really interested in what was going to happen to his sister and all of that, but I didn't love um, the circus narrative. It actually took me, like, a long time to finish that book. Um and I don't know. I just wasn't – it just didn't do it for me. I didn't really, like, have fun while I was reading it. And I need a little bit of fun. Um, however, the the book is um, – the colors of it match my living room. And I have a little – like, I have a picture frame that sits on three books. And I switched out one of them for the book of speculation because it matched better. So it, it's not a total loss for me. Um, also, I do want to say that – if I was a circus performer, I wanted to answer that question that you guys got to answer because that's a great question. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought everyone would say the thing that I wanted to say, which was obviously a trapeze artist. That's a good one. It's a great one. But it's yours. Guys, we could open up a circus together because we all want to do different things. But I don't like the circus, remember? So oh, never mind. Well. Okay. Not to be like Annalise from The Bachelor, but I did have a traumatic circus experience. <laughs> Maybe that was my issue. Okay, Annalise. <laughs> I was at the circus with my parents, and I was, like, 
four or five years old and I was sitting, it was those like folding chairs like you have at a movie theater where like just the, you know, bottom part folds down and you sit in it. Yeah. And I was sitting like on my, I was really small as you might, so shocking because I'm still Zoom in on video of like, small brunette really child. Sitting on my Face knees is blurred watching, in the background. And all of a sudden the chair just like ate me. Like it clapped. <laughs> <laughs> it clamped down and I fell through it. With a big smack noise, slow motion. So I fell through the chair and, like, busted my face on the seat part and, like, got a bloody lip. And I, like, I remember that. It's, like, one of my earliest memories, which is a shitty memory. <laughs> but I've been during the circus. And I had a bloody lip and, like, I didn't know what happened because I just, like, fell through a chair, which is so dumb. <laughs> But still scarier than Annalise's bumper yeah, car. Yeah, if you're not watching The Bachelor, we are watching it, and we're going to start um, live-tweeting it as of, like, tonight, the the day that we're, like, publishing this episode. We will be live-tweeting. Yeah, so keep an eye on the Twitter. We can't help ourselves. We love to hate The Bachelor. I will also say I agreed with Mary Kay's uh, casting of the Book of Speculation motion picture, which I wouldn't probably see, though, even though the casting was good. <laughs> Wow, that's how much you hated it. Wow. Rough. I didn't hate it. I just, like, really didn't like it either. <laughs> I feel like I will go to see any movie of a book I've read just because mm-hmm. I'm curious. I disagree. You know? Yes. Yeah. Like, I'll go see Ready Player One. Well, yeah, but that was a good I'll book. I'll up the whole time. Um, no, Kelly didn't like it. We should talk about like, that someday. I didn't like it at all, but I like it was towards the beginning of our book club, and I wanted to be nice, so I tried to be nice about it. I wasn't even but if we in read it that yet, now. Like, well, I, that was my first one I read with you guys. So yeah, um, and I had to like finish it way faster than everyone. Guys, I need to send you this uh, video, like YouTube video essay that I watched today because. Um, it's about how, um, Twilight isn't as bad as, like, Twilight's bad, but it isn't as bad as everyone says it is, and there's a ton of shit that's just as bad as Twilight that gets, um, held up as really amazing, and one of the things that she mentions is Ready Player One. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I just cannot agree that it's as bad as Twilight. I mean, like, writing-wise, Twilight is fucking terrible yeah well she she read excerpts from it and the excerpt she picked i was like wow i see what you're saying it's real bad like every the more i think about it and the more like lately on twitter a lot of people have been like just posting like screenshots of the text and i just like reread it and i'm like oh god guys i'm gonna link to this video essay in the show notes because also one of the main things she talks about is like one of the reasons that people shit on Twilight so much is that in general we shit on teenage girls and things that teenage girls value and that kind of like ties into what we were talking about earlier about like women's stories not being as important and again I'm not saying that Twilight is awesome however like I do feel like she has a point about like why are we shitting on Twilight and not Fast and the Furious like, okay that, I'll shit on all of it that's a valid point but the reason that I shit on Twilight personally is because I tried to read it Mm-hmm. Me too, girlfriend. And it's so bad. It's so bad. Like, oh, yeah. It's just really effing bad. And it, it has nothing to do with the fact that, that that Bella is a teenage girl. She's just a terrible character. Yeah, I read the first two, and goddamn, that is well, so bad. Well, I'm just going <laughs> to offer up this video essay for your consideration, <laughs> and I'd love to hear your thoughts. No, fine. Okay. I will watch it, and I will take it in, but I will always remember that I tried to read that, and I just was like, 
I hate everyone in this book, and I hate reading the words in this book. Then I'll remember that I had to read Ready Player One, and I read (laughs) all of those words. (laughs) I stand by that one, I think. So moving on from shitty things to things that people liked, we asked last time for listeners to write in and tell us what their favorite things of 2017 were, and we have quite a few to get through and talk about, so you you want to just, like, alternate and go through sure. them? Sure, yes. Buckle up. Who wants, <laughs> who wants to get this first one? Buckle up. But you know what? I think this is great because Strap we have in. a lot of suggestions and things that we can agree with and things that we can disagree with, maybe. It'll be All fun. Right, let me see. These are long. People have thoughts. Yeah. Um... I'll, I'll take the first one. Go for it, Susan. This is uh, this is Sarah from Richmond, Kentucky. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Sarah. Guardians of the Galaxy, Baby Driver, and Wonder Woman were my favorite movies. Guardians of the Galaxy 2 because Kurt Russell did a great job of being the absent parent trying to trick his son. Also, it was hilarious, and I really enjoyed the relationship David Bautista's character developed with the assistant of Kurt Russell. Plus, Baby Groot is adorable. Uh, agree. And I love his and Rocket's relationship, too. <laughs> he made me cry because he was yeah. so cute. <laughs> That's me talking, not her. Love Back to Sarah. I really liked <laughs> Wonder Woman, despite the negative press toward Gal Gadot regarding her time in the Israeli military. I think it was a great step forward for female superheroes in film being represented as strong and fully functional on their own without the overly pushy male counterpart. I also just loved her fight scenes. Again, agree. I thought she did a great job, and she helped bring back DC a bit. And as a DC fangirl, I wholly appreciate that. Baby Driver just tickled my fancy. I thought the idea of the music playing and having to be just right just right throughout the movie was great and an interesting plot device. Other <laughs> than that, it was a pretty typical boy meets girl and wants to escape with her type of story. I like John Hamm. Yeah. Me too. Sansel <laughs> <laughs> Ogre did a great job, I thought. <laughs> Yeah, we all love yeah. John Hamm. Like, yeah, we all love John Hamm. That's we've, not... we've all seen him in sweatpants. Yeah. We know what you're talking about. No dispute there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my grandma also loves John yeah. Hamm. That's her boyfriend, so. Oh, yeah. Oh, mama. Oh, well, my now mama. that we've said we like him, it'll probably be about two days until we find out he's No! I can't deal. Because <laughs> that's can't. what keeps happening to me. I'm yeah. like, at least we still have James Franco, and then guess what? We don't. I don't know okay. why you ever thought that we had James Franco. Kelly, don't come <laughs> Don't, don't <laughs> stop it. Um, yeah, obviously we love Guardians of the Galaxy. We did a whole episode on it. Um, Wonder Woman also love, did a great, um, blog. Mary and Brianna did a great blog about Wonder Woman. Also, Wonder Woman was the only good thing about Justice League. Which Brianna also wrote a blog post about. Yes. Baby Driver, I was meh on, but I know. Kelly, didn't you like it? I liked it. I was not in love with it, but... I think that the first half is really good, yeah. and it sort of starts to, like, fall apart a little bit, but... Um, <laughs> I haven't seen it, but my parents really liked it, so... Oh, well. It's very fun. It's fun to watch, like... Shout out. Hey, Mom and Dad. What up, girl? What up, dude? <laughs> hey, Mom and Dad. They don't listen to this. <laughs> but yeah, definitely, like, watch it, because it's super entertaining, at yeah. the very least. It's worth a watch. Um, um, I appreciate the phrase, yeah. tickled my fancy, so I'll watch it. Yes. I said, hee-hee. When she said that. Um, okay, Gabriella from London. That's London, England. England. 
Hi, Gabriella. Priest Daddy, a memoir by Patricia Lockwood, was my favorite book of 2017. It's really funny. So many times memoirs about family life get stuck in a mire of the fact that things have to have meaning. But in Priest Daddy, the humor is what connects all these insane stories together and sort of allows you as a reader to find the meaning yourself. Um, I think that's really interesting that you bring up Priest Daddy because that's a book I remember seeing a lot on recommendation lists. And honestly, like the cover of that book kind of threw me off like it made me think I wasn't gonna like it because it's just like the picture of like a necklace that says priest daddy on it yeah I I don't know why I was like I don't know about that I I really like (laughs) Patricia Lockwood as like a Twitter presence she has a really good Twitter and she sort of if people like recall a couple years ago she sort of like broke out onto the scene with this poem called the rape joke um which is a great poem and it's sort of about it's about her experience with rape. And yeah, we can link to that and you can check that out. And then based on that, decide if you want to check out Priest Daddy, which is, yes, supposed to be very good. So thank you, Gabriella, yeah. friend of the show. Thanks for that wreck. Has written several blog posts for us yes. and is wonderful. And you should also check her out. We love you. We love you. Also, thanks for my Christmas present, Gabriella. She's- she sent me a Christmas present. It was a ring. It was so cute. Anyway, <laughs> she sent me little cat earrings. Ooh, I got a little cat ring. She didn't send me shit. Oh well, we guess. I guess we know who she likes and who she doesn't. Like. Just kidding. I've never met you, but you seem great, and I would like to be with you. <laughs> yeah, not just for gifts. <laughs> but I mean, if you want to send gifts, that's okay too. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Okay, Kelly. Okay, Kelly's so doing the next one. It me. Um, Chloe from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, twenty seventeen as a whole was crappy. But we got some pretty great pieces of art out of this disaster of a year. In the world of movies, there's Lady Bird and Wonder Woman, both super awesome, but my favorite has to be Disney's Coco. Yeah. Finally, they showed a culture and actually represented the culture, all caps, with Hispanic actors and Spanish intertwined with English throughout. On top of all that, the movie shows the Mexican traditions and beliefs about the dead. I saw a video of a little boy singing one of the Coco songs, Remember Me, to a photograph of his infant sister who passed away. The parents explained that they had a difficult time explaining death to him, and this movie helped. It helped him to understand death, and it gave him hope that his baby sister is still with him. For me, me that's absolutely beautiful. I know. (laughs) And touches the most important aspect of storytelling to connect people and give them hope. As a lover of YA books... I read John Green's Turtles All the Way Down as soon as it was released, or I tried to. (laughs) I actually had to stop. Uh, Okay. I thought she was going to say it sucked so bad that. (laughs) Okay. And you're like, wait, this is supposed to be your favorite. No. Go ahead. (laughs) I actually had to stop and wait until I was on vacation and in a relaxed space because Green so accurately depicts the thought processes and effects of mental illness that I had to continually take breaks from it. As a person who suffers constantly from anxious and depressive thoughts, to see it described on the page was inspiring. It's so difficult to describe negative thought spirals to someone who has never experienced it. This book feels like one step closer to taking down the taboo that surrounds mental illness, and I hope that for those who read the book, it will lead to honest conversations about how to cope with mental illness and how to be with those who are suffering. That's really cool, and I know that's something we've talked about on the show a lot, is how mental illness is treated in our culture and how certain books don't do a very good job of uh, depicting mental illness, couple next door. 
Um, ahem. Ahem, ahem. That God. book that we were not going to talk about ever again. But um, yeah, this book has been on my to-read list ever since it came out, even though I'm not like a huge John Green fan, because it does sound really interesting. And any chance to read something that um, helps the depiction of mental illness in our culture, I think is worthwhile. Yeah. That description sounds a lot like... Um like the description of this taking on mental illness that way sounds a lot like it's kind of a funny story. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I loved that book. I never read the book. I saw yeah. the movie. Um, but, yeah. Which is also a YA book. And the author, um, unfortunately, died by suicide a couple of years ago, but yeah. suffered from depression. And so, like, it's a really accurate, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I felt the same way. I remember <laughs> I read that book when I was in high school and I went to Barnes & Noble and I used to go hang out at Barnes & Noble and, like, sit there and read books and not buy them. And I read that whole book, like, in various sittings at Barnes & Noble. I would just keep going back and reading it. And I just remember feeling, like, r- really impressed with the fact that it – there were so many very specific thoughts that he expressed in this book that I had had and I thought I was crazy forever having. Like, I was yeah. like, I don't – I've never read anything that, like, made me feel like someone else understood yeah, um, which was yeah. really nice, especially to read when I was for in teenagers too, which is yeah, <laughs> so, much needed. Yeah, R.I.P. Ned. Vizino. It's really sad because like it was about his experience in. I know that's why it's so. Awful. Yeah, in a mental institution, and he like seemed to get better for a while, and you know, ultimately, it's very sad. Well, but. I will definitely have to check out both of those books. Thank you for the recommendation, Chloe. And thank you, Chloe. You and thank you for your beautifully written note. Uh, Susan, you want to get this next one? Yeah, this is Dana from Harlow, Essex. Dana! Which I assume is also in England. England. <laughs> My fave book was probably Little Fires Everywhere by Celeste Ng. Little Fires Everywhere is absolutely the most engrossing thing I've read in a while. It's a beautiful, understated portrait of a town, and the community is brought wonderfully to life, and it's a really insightful exploration of race and small-town politics in America. It's a slow-moving book, but so worth it. An album, I know Kelly already picked this, but Melodrama by Lord. Shout out. And now I've, I've since become obsessed with it, too, so we're all on, on all this right. page. Maybe, Melodrama is just the absolute perfect it. album about being in your 20s. I don't actually have many insightful things to say about it, except it's lyrical and really haunting and made me think a lot about the strange unreality of being at parties and things like that, which was cool. Does The Last Jedi count as films technically being released since 2017? If so, that. If not, probably it. The Last Jedi is obviously incredible and was just so interesting in how they chose to tell the narrative, and I loved how all the main characters were sort of separated throughout and how all their stories climaxed at the same moment. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm so immature. Um, oh it made it feel a lot more of an ensemble cast. <laughs> cast thing that I felt about Star Wars before, but Ray was also still at the center. It made me wish I learned how to ride a bike <laughs> as a kid. <laughs> The end. (laughs) I like that that was, like, the big takeaway from it. (laughs) I know. Like, she had all this shit to say about The Last Jedi, and then it is just like, I wish I knew how to ride a bike. (laughs) Yeah. Never mind that they were being chased by clowns. Or a clown. Just one. The bike riding is what she really took from that. (laughs) Obviously, I agree about melodrama. I just said that. I haven't read Little Fires Everywhere, but this is not the first really positive review I've heard from someone. So I'm definitely going to check it out. Yeah. I've been thinking about 
putting that as one of my future books possibly <laughs> put it so. on the dock. bam done we're gonna do it <laughs> eventually maybe that'll In be like two okay. years it's official i picked it okay it's on the dock Thanks, Dana. Your selection is now on the dock. Yeah, so you're, it's all your fucking fault if we don't like it. Yeah, sometime in 2019, tune into that podcast episode. Look forward to seeing it in like five <laughs> years. Um, excuse me, I believe it's slated for November. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. November 2018. <laughs> we'll get it's this it. year. Still this year. Look. So just hang tight. Hang, hang tight. tight. We'll read it. Um. Okay, Sally from New Orleans, Louisiana. Hey, we just got back from there. Um, Lance. Oh my God, I didn't see I this until did. now, but yes, uh, that's all I have to say. Okay, <laughs> Landline was my favorite movie from 2017 for many reasons, but probably mostly for the fantastic cast. It stars my second favorite comedic actress of all time, the first being Julia Louis Dreyfus, Jenny Slate, as well as JG Plass, who I also adore. Edie Falco was amazing as well. And gave a really strong performance. It was raw and portrayed sisters dealing with their complicated relationships with each other, their significant others, and their parents, one of whom they discover as being unfaithful in an honest and relatable way. Also, on an aesthetic and personal level, I really enjoyed the era and setting, New York in the 1990s. Um, yeah, this is another one I've been meaning to see, but I haven't yet. I know Kelly recommended it on one of our podcasts like way long ago. Yeah, on a stuff we're into back, segment. Back when we had time to do that I shit. I know, I'm so happy to see this here. I feel like nobody saw this movie. Like, I haven't heard... I don't know how I have I haven't heard anyone talking about it in all this, like, end-of-the-year movie talk. And I'm just like, no n- honorable mentions, anyone? Look, this movie I'm gonna is watch really it awesome. And like, it, tomorrow. Yes. And, yeah. Sally, I second your love for Jenny Slate. I, she's one of my favorites. Yes, I love her. And I um, loved her in... If you're not watching Big Mouth, you've got to watch Big Mouth, too, speaking of Jenny Slate. Also, Zootopia. <laughs> <laughs> I just loved her in Zootopia. She was so Also, great. Parks and Rec as... Also, Parks and Rec. Mona Lisa. She Money, please. <laughs> no, seriously, she's the worst. Um... <laughs> Okay, so our last letter is from Colin from Denver, Colorado. Hey, Colin. Hey, Colin. Um, I loved the power by Naomi Alderman so damn much. And the unfair treatment of men depicted in the book gave me a little thrill of pleasure and made me feel a tiny bit hypocritical. I got to imagine for a little bit what it felt like being privileged in that way, a woman in a woman's world. And I can see how someone might be loath to give that status up, sadly. Uh, so that's another one that's on our list for an upcoming podcast episode. Oh, it is? Yeah, um, that's one of Mary's upcoming picks. So it's, um, yeah, it's January 2019 is when we're going to get to that one. <laughs> oh my god. But I can't. <laughs> just just I one can't year wait. away. In one year, we will talk about this book. <laughs> Look, it'll be here sooner than we know it. Thanks, Colin. But yeah. Yes. Thanks, Colin. Hopefully you will stay tuned for that. Thanks, Colin. Um, yeah, so that was our listener feedback about their faves of 2017, all from ladies, which is appropriate because this is our Men Are Cancelled episode. Yep. We just lost, like, our two male listeners. Which two? Oh, uh, we're reading a dude book next, so. Okay, dudes, tune back in. Perk up again. Perk up your ears. Our next book is about war, book. y'all. So Yeah, yeah everyone knows back. men like war. Right? <laughs> uh, what's on the blog, guys? Uh, 
America's Next Top Model is back. Yeah. Recaps. Finally. Yeah. And I've been writing some recaps about Next Level Fierceness. Yeah. And Mary and I. Which is the new thing of Fierce uh, that Tyra Banks has introduced. That's a lot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Mary and I are still doing River River. Riverdale <laughs> recaps. River caps. River caps. River caps. River caps. That's what you got to call Which, them. speaking of that, I am. We're gonna post it either tomorrow or Wednesday because we didn't really have time this weekend yeah, for some we reason. Were at a rep party. <laughs> yes. Um, for some reason. And I'll, as I mentioned, my <laughs> bookstore blog is up about green light books yes um also the day after this episode is published mary and i will be publishing our second um installment of ya book club winter games the book we are reading for um the month of january is there's someone inside your house by stephanie perkins it's a ya horror novel it's like a slasher book um, hopefully it will be better than the last slasher book that Kelly and I reviewed for this. But if not, we had a really fun time doing a hate review of that. So, <laughs> but yeah. anyway, read along with us if you'd like. It's a pretty short book. Um, I just started it, so I really don't have much to say about it other than that. But I'll be done with it by the time speaking I write Speaking of hate reviews. Oh, yeah. Speaking of hate reviews, what are we doing next time on the <laughs> podcast? <gasps> oh my god, so excited! A special okay. Valentine's we- Day edition <laughs> of Book Squad Goals. Yes. A very romantic Book Squad Goals episode. We are going to go see Fifty Shades Breed just for you guys. So get your yeah. glass of wine. Trust me, I don't want to see it. <laughs> make yourself a bubble bath and get ready. Yeah. Yeah. And get ready. Do to- some like girly Valentine's y shit because we are about to tear this apart because I bet you also, it's Also, we yeah. are going to have a special um, guest on that episode named Gina because we needed someone who had actually read the books. And God knows we're not going to waste time doing that. <laughs> Hell no, we ain't. So thankfully, Gina took one for the yes, team. Yes, thank you, Gina. And Gina has, <laughs> disclaimer, only read the first two because she was like, I just couldn't anymore. <laughs> Still more than we're willing to do. Yeah, girl, the fact that you got to book two is impressive. We're proud of you. um, Yeah, I have. I've seen the first two movies, and I'm totally going to rewatch them before I see this one because they funny. And yeah, I'd have to. I don't know if I can do that. I might just like read some recaps of them. I just know that I'm going to be lost when it comes to the plot. Because there's just, I was watching the trailer and I was like, there's someone with a gun. Like, there's no plot. I don't know fine. what's happening. <laughs> there's like a confrontation in an alleyway. I think I'll just watch the second one again. Because the first one was so long ago. Oh my god. It looks, it looks so dumb. It looks so dumb. I can't wait. <sighs> I wish that someone, one of you guys lived here though. Because I'm definitely going to have to go see it by myself. Yeah, same. If only we could go on this date together. Which doesn't look like you're going because you hate it. It looks like you're going because you fucking love it. And I'm just going to take a notebook and be writing my notes and, like, hold it up while I'm writing. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I'm going to take a notebook or I'm going to – I'll have to carry in nachos again so people know I'm definitely more interested in eating than I am in – Yeah, take some tacos. The really – Sad, sad sex between these two people who hate each other. Well, Gina and I will probably Amazing. go together, so I'll have her expertise right next to me 
to like walk me through <laughs> what's happening if I get confused because it's so complex. Um, I just don't know if I'm going to be able to follow it. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's our next. Well, maybe she can, since she's read the books, maybe she can help like give some background and explain it yeah. to you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's our next. Are we not calling them minisodes anymore because we're dropping that whole? <laughs> yeah, we've decided to to rebrand because we've begun to realize that mini, um, short for miniature, is not a very good way <laughs> to describe <laughs> the episodes that we've been calling mini. An episode that's the exact same length as every other. So. Episode. Uh, now coming to your feed is going to be other sods. Um, there are now other. If you have a better name for it, you could let us know. But for now, it's going to be called another sod. And then our next normal sod is going to be American War by Omar El Akkad. So that's going to be a month from today. It's going to be our next book, and I've heard really great things about this book. This is not my pick, so I I don't have very much more to say about it. Unfortunately, this is Mary's pick, and she's not here. Yes. But we will also have a special guest for that episode, because everyone's just trying to get a piece of this podcast yeah, action. they just can't get so, away from us. Or we can except Casper Mattresses. I'm still waiting on them to try to get a piece of this. <laughs> Yeah, come on, Casper. Where are you at? I know you're listening. Um, Sponsor us. But special guest Kristen on that episode, you might you might know Kristen from the blog because Kristen did a blog post about um, mother with an exclamation point. And she's coming back to give us her feelings about this book, which was actually this book was suggested by her. So. We're making her come talk about it. I have been hearing many things about this book, so I'm looking forward to reading it. Just things, not good or bad things, yeah. just things. Me too. Good okay. things. It's it's many, many things. On lots of end of year lists, I think, for best book and whatnot. Oh, did it come out this year? I didn't even know. <laughs> Maybe last year. Oh, okay. I'm not sure. I thought it was this year. Yeah. Maybe it was last year. I just know that whatever year it came out, I kept seeing the cover Everywhere. and people being yeah. like, this book. So... Well, you're about to know what all the fuss is about. Yep. Um, please follow us on social media. We are at Book Squad Goals on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Goodreads. Uh, those are all the ones. <laughs> <That's> and <it>. <laughs> <laughs> you can email us at booksquadgoals at booksquad.inc, I-N-K, like a squid, which is also our website, booksquad.inc. Ink, I-N-K, like a squid. And please, 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 please rate and review us and subscribe. Please. On iTunes or on your podcast cat thing of choice. I was going to say podcatcher and I was like, no, I can't. It makes my stomach hurt when I say that word. Pod finder. (laughs) Pod person. Pod finder. And please Pod. reach out to Casper Mattress on our behalf and see, just suggest that they sponsor us. And I will get paid in uh, a free mattress. That's fine. If that's how that works, I'm good. We're going to all have to share the one mattress that we get so just, we can just send yeah, it around. Mail it Sisterhood of the Traveling oh. Mattress. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Y'all better not spill anything on my mattress. <laughs> I'm gonna eat so many crackers on that mattress. No. <laughs> Send it to you, Nature Valley Bar. Lord have mercy. All right. Well, I guess that's that's us. We did it. Okay. We did Bye, it. guys.